Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast is a Christ-centered podcast. Established in 2019 and hosted weekly by Pastor Chris Busher. Addressing a host of topics such as the Great Commission, Christian discipleship, and often featuring interviews with special guests who are experts in their field. The views and events expressed on this podcast and all related materials belong solely to their author and not necessarily to the author's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. While all attempts are made to present accurate information, some information may become outdated over time. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast makes every attempt to timely update any and all such information. Without further delay, here's another powerful episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Faith and Family Fellowship. Once again, I'm your co-host, Dallas Montague, and today in the studio, we have a special guest, Jenny Russ. Jenny, thanks for being here today. How are you? Good, thank you. Thank you for having me. There's a lot to talk about today with your JennyForJustice.com. It's really intriguing. And as I was looking at this before we started the interview today, I didn't really know which direction to take it. But I really look forward to what you're going to bring to us today and what we're going to talk about. So why don't you just begin, Jenny? Just give the listeners a background of who you are and what you're bringing for us today. Yes, I guess I just wanted to share my story of continuing to have faith um, when things are just really not looking up and when there is an evil force out to get you. And it's only my faith that's kept me strong this long um, because my story is one of those that everybody says belongs in a Lifetime movie or Dateline (laughs) because it's so crazy. Mm. And I decided that instead of sitting in silence, um, that I should just share my story to maybe help other people who are going through a difficult situation where they're seeing just bad, corrupt people continuing to just get away with it and win. Um, and so that was my motivation for starting a website, just fight the number four, justice.com. And it was my therapy and it was my journal and it was me documenting um, what's happened so far with our family. And how long has this been happening? This, this well, story that you're talking about? So basically um, I met my husband in college, I'm originally from Bolivia in South America. My dad studied in America uh, but then we went back to Bolivia to be with the family. But he always, he knew that, that in Bolivia there was so much corruption and we would have a lot more opportunity if he ever got a chance to work for an American company again. And so he did get that call when I was 11 years old and we were so excited. We came to the States. You're listening to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. Nobody likes the guy who says, I told you so. The guy in 1991 who said to you, invest in the internet, it's gonna be huge. Or the guy in 1997 who said, come on, this is gonna be big, they call it social media. And the guy in 2009 who said, I'm telling you man, crypto is real. Now, I'm not gonna be that guy who says, I told you so. But I am telling you that there is a 21-year-old international company where you can become a global project partner earning a passive income doing exactly what you're doing at this moment. No selling, no recruiting clients, no administering a business after hours. Visit www.mypassiveincome.life now. That's mypassiveincome.life. Don't let history repeat itself on this one. Earn a passive income. Now listen again. That's mypassiveincome.life. 
life. And so he did get that call when I was 11 years old and we were so excited. We came to the States and, you know, I didn't speak the language. I was 11. It was overwhelming, but I happened to be just really good at one thing. I was a really good tennis player. Um, I was a national champion in Bolivia. I thought maybe in America it would be, you know, so hard and maybe I wouldn't have a chance, but, you know, I was extremely dedicated and, you know, just, I just remember at an early age, just God put it in my heart that this is what I was supposed to do. So when I was on the court, it just didn't make sense. Somehow I just always seemed to find a way to win. Um, and so that was my thing. And that's what carried me and gave me opportunities. I ended up going to a top university here in the States and that's where I met my husband. And, uh, that's where all of this pretty much started. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically what happened is my husband comes from a completely different world than me. Uh, my husband's father was extremely wealthy and successful and uh, he's American and his mom, um, he ended up dying of cancer early and my husband was the oldest son. And so he started helping taking care of his family. His father was a devout Christian. He was a Lutheran. Um, his mother is not, um, she's not a believer at all. Um, but he was faithful and he stayed in the marriage, I think, to protect the children. Um, and so my oldest, uh, my husband was the oldest son, and he graduated college in two and a half years while he played football. He was a starting kicker. He had so much pressure, but, you know, he believed in doing the right thing. So he left college early just to come help his family and help his dying father. It was all supposed to be, you know, a good thing, trying to help and trying to, you know, support his family. But instead, his mom, who's just not a good person, just after the father died, just was really bad. Um, she enabled one of the children who turned out to be a pedophile, end up going to jail for seven years. Um, so that destroyed the family. I mean, they were this wealthy, well-known family. And here you have the very monster that, you know, once my husband and I had kids, we were so protective because we were always worried. You know, I grew up Catholic and you keep hearing about all this abuse. And that's the reason why I left Catholicism. Um, because I just couldn't believe that people of God were more interested in protecting the institution than the children who got abused. And I was always really protective of the kids, but that very monster was in our family. And uh, the mother was enabling him. And basically that started leading to not supporting him. And um, she wanted my husband and the four other siblings to tell the federal judge that he was a good kid and to write letters about his character, well, basically lie about his character. And the children wouldn't do it. My husband and the three other children who are all successful, one is a doctor, one is a pilot, and the other one is a lawyer. None of them would do it. Um, And when they chose not to, she just went south. And uh, her bad child ended up going to prison for seven years. And she made it her mission to her own children for the last uh, nine years. So that's basically what started... an impossible existence of trying to find peace because she she had enough money to be able to hire as many people, investigators, anyone she could to destroy her peace and destroy her life. And you said that you left Catholicism and kind of went in a different direction. How did that lead in your spiritual life? You know, even though um, I just remember my mom in Bolivia, you know, most people in Bolivia are Catholic. And she would go to church a lot and pray a lot. And we would just go to church. And I I always felt connected not to Catholicism, but connected to God. So even through college, I would still go to church, but I really just went to church to meditate and to think about God and God's word. So leaving just kind of left me to where I didn't know where to go pray. And my husband's father was a devout Lutheran, and I didn't know much about what a Lutheran was or, you know, what their beliefs are. Um, But 
basically, you know, I got introduced to, to that. And that's how I started going back to church and finding a home again. So it's not that I left Christianity. It was more that I didn't know where I belonged after mm-hmm. Catholicism. Yeah, and definitely things like that happening in your life, I'm sure that that kind of changed some of your thoughts and kind of affected that too. Well, I think that's what's hard, um, being tested to where you see horrible people, you know, in this world winning. And mm-hmm. you have to continue to focus on whatever happens in this world doesn't really matter. And, you know, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do any drugs. And people don't understand how I cope with all the stress because now it's become a public thing where we are in the newspapers where people know about our problems and you know it's it's hard to deal with um i wanted privacy i wanted peace i wanted my children to have a normal upbringing and the only thing that keeps me focused is just really remembering that nothing here matters that as christians we have something better to look forward to yeah and your children how old are your children that you have today i have a 15 year old and i have an 11 year old okay and I do want to mention, you grew up in Bolivia, and what year did you move back to the States, or move to the States? So it was 1988. Okay. It was the 80s. It was, I'll never forget. It was so exciting. <laughs> I'm actually living in Brazil right now as a missionary in Sao Paulo, but I've never been to I Bolivia. I saw before. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, Brazil is awesome. I mean, it's such a lively culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what I miss is just nature. In that, you know, in South America, I, I live in Texas, and we don't have mountains, and we don't have all the beautiful lakes and things like that. So, all right. And so, what is your goal with this this story that you're telling? I saw you had a video on Facebook that I looked through a little bit. Uh-huh. But what's your goal? What are you trying to do here? Well, you know, throughout this process, I thought about, you know, what does God really want me to do? Does He want me to quit and give up? Does He want me? You know, it's like the devil is constantly testing you because I've had the lawyers from the other side because I'm just a wife and they'll approach me and they'll be like, hey, we'll settle and we'll give you this amount of money. Just go away so we can keep suing your husband and the rest of the family. And, you know, I I think every time I have to remember, like, nothing matters and I have to fight for what's right. He's put it in my heart and I can't I can't ignore it that I'm supposed to fight. And so I thought instead of, you know, letting them get away with it and their corrupt little world where, you know, the judges know the lawyers and the lawyers know the judges. And so it's this little club. The only way you fight that is by at least telling your story. And no matter what they do, it might help someone else to know they're not alone if they're going through something like this. Mm-hmm. So that was the main goal. So throughout my website, I do have some scripture <laughs> that, I, that I put there um, that I just want to remind people. I didn't want people to think, oh, great, it's another religious person. I, I, it's very real, and it's about my life, and it's about what we've been going through. Um, and I hope to empower people who are going through a mess like this. That was the main goal. Mm-hmm. And so you're here to just kind of share your story and let other people know that Jesus is the hope and he's what brought you through it and he's what's getting you through it now. Yes, because when people say, how can you not drink? How do you tolerate this? Because what is worse than for nine years having a wicked mother-in-law who does not believe in God, a enabling pedophile son who has been stalking me and threatening my safety, and all of them getting together and suing you for $50 million. I mean, money that doesn't even exist, but they have the money and the power to do it. How do you get through something like that without going to turning to drugs or alcohol or anything else to numb it? And I, I would say that only with God. That's it. 
only with God's promise. That is the only way you get through this. I think you're absolutely right. And have there been some practical steps that you have taken or some advice that you can give to other people who are experiencing something like this? Well, I think for me, the best combination has been, you know, not just praying, but also doing the things that make you feel your physical body good, which is I try to stay healthy. I try to stay, I try to work out to release that stress. Otherwise it stays in you and it can manifest into anger, you know, diseases. And so I, I try to keep my life as normal as possible. And whenever I feel really low and as angry as I get, I try to go back to the scripture and try to center myself again. Mm-hmm. And I do have to ask this question, why fight? I mean, obviously when all this is happening, I always wonder, well, why am I still fighting? It seems hopeless. It seems like it's rigged. The court system doesn't care about right or wrong. They care about helping each other. Um, It's no different than a lot of corrupt countries. So it's really not that different from Bolivia, which is sad. I moved to a country thinking this was my dad's sacrifice, thinking this was more opportunity. It turns out that humans are humans wherever, and we're all sinners. And the reason to fight is to just remind people that there's still hope in impossible situations because I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe I do come through or maybe I don't, but then I'm just a story of resilience and not letting people break you, um, even if the outcome is not what I want. Yeah, and you did mention about your life um, before you moved and your tennis and how that was kind of teaching you a a habit of not giving up. Can you kind of go into that a little bit more? Well, so I was the, you know, tennis was a country club sport. Everybody was wealthy. Everybody had more than I had. Um, But God had put it in my heart that I could do it. But if I would have listened to a logical, rational person, you would look at me and say, there's no way you're ever going to be number one. There's no way you're ever going to reach the top level in tennis. You just, it doesn't make sense. You're not. And so it's a good thing I didn't listen to people. It's a good thing that I didn't let all my disadvantages, you know, that I didn't let those limit me because I thought I had God on my side. And as silly as it sounds in a sport, I just think God made us all different and we all have different gifts. And for me, that was my path and that was my gift. And it wasn't that that I was just a top tennis player. It was that um, thanks to good parenting, I was always humble and I was, I inspired people around me and and people never knew my talents because I didn't talk about it because I was taught not to be that way. And so it wasn't just about tennis. It's about that after I left in high school, I had a award named after me uh, and a scholarship that, you know, keeps going um, years after I've left. And it was very kind of them to do that. But I think they did it because more than just a tennis player, I think I tried really hard to reflect um, what a a Christian should try to be, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of like Tim, Tim Tebow and how he's not just about being an athlete, but how he inspired other people and introduced people to God and the scripture. Um, that's what I try to do um, through tennis and inspire people and yeah. make people believers if possible. That's great. Is there an overall message that you would like the listeners to hear from your story or the things that you're bringing today? Um, I guess my overall message is when you're overwhelmed by all the evil around you and it's hard to believe that there's still some good people, I would say that as I've gone through this impossible situation, um, as long as I hang in there, God seems to hand me a little bit of light here and there in little ways, not big ways yet. We haven't been relieved of the big stressors, but just little things he'll do to 
help me keep going. So I would say don't give up. Um, don't let evil win. Um, we know as Christians what's right and wrong. It's so easy now to be complacent and go along with the world because we're not liked anymore. Um, we're, you know, people are going to judge us for our faith. Um, but I think this is a story about not giving up. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that story with us. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Is there a place that, that our listeners can reach you today? Yeah, I have your link. I'm going to put that in the description below, but is there a, a social media that they can find as well? Um, so because of the safety issues, because I was being stalked and I have a protective order from that pedophile brother-in-law I have, um, I've always been extremely private, but my website is probably the best place to go um, because it'll link you to my YouTube and also through my website, you can contact me, but really you can just read the insanity of my story and you can see that really our our life story could be a movie, <laughs> a, a sad movie, hopefully with a happy ending. So I think my website is probably the best place for people okay. to just read about our tragic family story. Mm-hmm. And yes, guys, there is a link in the description below. You can click on that. And there's also a video you guys can watch. I saw part one. How many parts of that video do you have? So that's my start. Um, that's my introduction. And that, that part of the story just ends with the beginning of <laughs> the lawsuit. And it's been nine years later. So there's been a lot more that happened in between. I um, guess I'm just easing into it. Okay. Yeah. So guys, check out that. Check out her page. And is there just anything else you would like the listeners to take away from this today? I would say that um, when our first video came out, um, which is on our website, it's a very emotional, it's a long video, but it's worth watching. The best comments and the best support we got were from the Christian community because they seemed to understand right off the bat um, what we needed to hear. And the support has just been um, amazing. And um, it came from spiritual people, uh, the best support. I would say. I mean, I, we appreciate all the support. So um, I would say thank you to Christians because we're not alone. Um, no matter how bad the world gets, we're not alone. We have the main thing in common, which is we're believers. You've just listened to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast with your host, Pastor Chris Busher. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast was recorded live in studio with final editing made before uploading. Subscribe today to Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. For more fantastic daily content, visit Pastor Chris Busher online via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Don't miss the next episode on Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast.